everybody. Uh, my name is Jensen, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm on staff here with Veritas. Um, I graduated from Mizzou in December of 2017. I got a degree in communication, and I came on staff right after I graduated, and I actually recently got married, so I have a husband now. It's an exciting thing. He's here. His name is Sam. Oh, wow, we got cheers for that. That's cool. Well, before we get started, I just want to take a second um, to pray for us. So you guys bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, um, I thank you so much for giving us the time to come together um, and to learn about you. And God, I pray that you would just open our hearts to hear what you're teaching us tonight, God. I pray that you would speak in and through my words um, and that we would be challenged to love you more and to live for you together. We pray for these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so tonight I'm going to be talking about FOMO. And to be completely honest, when I first found out that I would be talking about FOMO, I was a little bit like, I was kind of nervous because... I don't think that I really struggle from FOMO that much. I'm actually an introvert, which sometimes means that I really like missing out. Every time I take the Myers-Briggs personality test, I always enthusiastically agree that I would rather be at home alone on a Friday night reading a book than be at a party. And maybe you're like me, maybe you're an introvert, and so you think that you don't have this fear of missing out, but I also know that there's extroverts in here. I know that there are people in here that love being around people. Maybe you always wanna be a part of the next big thing that's going on. It really freaks you out to think that you might be missing out on something. And I think that whether we think that we struggle from FOMO or not, I'd like to suggest tonight that we all do. And that's because FOMO goes a little bit deeper than whether or not we like to be surrounded by people all the time. Take, for example, Michael Scott. You guys know Michael Scott, right? So he likes to be around people. He really wants to have friends. He's always trying to make people like him. And sometimes, because he wants this, he does some pretty crazy things. And for me, whenever I'm watching The Office, there's always this moment where Michael just goes a little bit too far. It gets a little bit uncomfortable, and I start to kind of pity him. And this is one of those moments for me. I hate, hate, hate being left out. <laughs> Whether it's not being picked for a team or being picked for a team and then showing up and realizing that the team doesn't exist <laughs> or that the sport doesn't exist. <laughs> should have known. Football. <laughs> okay, so it's funny. Obviously, like, we laughed. We think it's funny. But, but I also kind of don't want to laugh because it's hitting at a little bit more emotional level. For me, he's hitting on this real fear that I have, this fear of missing out on something. And it might seem something service level. I mean, for him, he's talking about not getting picked for the team. Maybe it's not getting invited to the party. But obviously, it's hitting us on a different, more emotional level. It's why we feel that uncomfortable empathy and pity for Michael so often. Our fear of missing out, it's actually deeper than we think. Yes, FOMO can be funny. Sure, it can be lighthearted. But it can also become really, really debilitating. So before we really get into it tonight, I kind of want to play a game with you guys. Just go along with it. If it's not fun, don't tell me. But I'm going to describe a movie plot, and I'm not going to tell you too many details because you guys are going to try to figure out what movie it is that I'm describing. Okay, so listen really closely. So in this movie, the main character is kind of on the outside. They don't really have the it factor. They're not super successful, but they desperately want to be a part of the in crowd. They want to have the friends. They want to be successful. And so they start changing what they do. They change how they talk. They change what they wear. They start hanging out in different places and thinking they like different things. And eventually, they actually get what they wanted. They're actually a part of the in crowd. They're succeeding. But the longer that they're there, the more that they realize, well, well maybe they've sacrificed on friends to get there. They've, they've sacrificed their morals. And they actually 
don't like who they are anymore, and they're tired of striving to fit in all the time. You guys have any guesses? Any ideas? Well, behind me, hopefully, is a slide that has six different movie plots that actually fit this. And there's so many more that I could have put up here because this is a plot line, this is a theme that we're super familiar with. Yeah, I'm also outing myself as an early 2000s chick flick fan. Really sorry about that. These are the ones that I came up with. Um, but what matters about this is that, obviously, this storyline, it, it hits a chord with our culture. It hits something about the human experience, or else Hollywood wouldn't keep making films. They wouldn't keep making money telling the same story over and over again. And not only does this pattern replay itself over and over in the movies, I'd also like to suggest that it plays itself over and over in our lives. I think that, like the characters in these movies, we're afraid of missing out on belonging on being successful, we're afraid of missing out on that cultural success narrative that our generation has for us. And I think in college, that cultural narrative is often telling us to be beautiful, to be smart, to be successful, to be well-traveled, well-liked, well-known, to be a part of the in-crowd. And I think that we're afraid of missing out on these things because we think that it's these things that actually give our lives meaning. On a college campus, there's always going to be something more that you guys could be doing. I mean, think about it. There's, there's literally always another club that you could join. There's always another more exotic uh, study abroad opportunity that you could have gone on in probably a more aesthetically pleasing way that you could have shared it on Instagram. You could always be doing more. And it's really hard to escape that feeling that, that my life isn't as significant, it isn't as meaningful, because I'm constantly missing out on opportunities. And I'm constantly being reminded that I'm missing out on those opportunities. Do you guys ever feel like that? That if I miss out on being beautiful, getting all the academic awards, having a part in the in crowd, getting a following, well then, then my life, it, it just isn't as significant. It isn't as meaningful. I think that we all know that feeling. And the thing is, is that this, this isn't just a 21st century problem. This is something that humans have been struggling with for thousands of years. And I think that we can see that clearly in Mark 10, 33 through 37. So will you guys take a look with me? And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. So here we actually have a couple of Jesus' closest friends, James and John. They're his disciples. And they're trying to figure out who gets to sit in these positions of honor and glory when Jesus rises to power. They don't want to miss out on the political power that they believe that Jesus is about to come into. But the thing is, is that that wasn't Jesus' plan. He didn't come to find power here on earth through the things that culture deems significant. His glory, it, it wasn't bound to a cultural narrative. But the disciples, they couldn't see that. They were in the presence of Jesus. They were walking and talking with him. They were a part of his inner crowd, and they were still longing for something that, that you and I long for, a place of honor and glory, significance. And if the disciples who walked and talked with Jesus every day still struggled to see beyond their cultural narrative, well, then, of course, we should also be wary that we're going to fall into this, too. Actually, one of the main reasons why our friends make us happy is because it's our friends that make us feel like we matter. To have someone that wants to hang out with us, that's looking to spend time with us, that maybe we feel like they need us, 
Well, that's affirming this feeling that we matter. At our core is this deep desire to be known and to have meaning. And the Bible is full of verses like Psalm 139.1, one, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And John 10.14, I know my own, that's Jesus speaking, and my own know me. And the Bible's full of these verses because God actually created us with a desire to be known. It's not a bad thing. Desiring to be known, to have friends, to live a life that has meaning, it's something that's actually intrinsically human. Even being afraid of not getting these things at an emotional level, that's not a bad thing. The disciples even feared that they might not get these things. It does become problematic, though, when we let ourselves be driven by the wrong kind of fear and towards the wrong kinds of things. C.S. Lewis writes about our desire to be included and to be known in one of his essays, The Inner Ring. I don't know if you've heard about it, but at a certain point in this essay, he starts talking about the emotions that we feel when we actually, we are included, even if the thing that we've been included in seems kind of tiring or maybe even boring. And so we're gonna pick up with him. <sighs> a terrible bore. Ah, but how much more terrible if you were left out. It is tiring and unhealthy to lose your Saturday afternoons, but to have them free because you don't matter, that is much worse. So if we ask ourselves, what's the wrong kind of fear? What's the kind of fear that turns this good desire into something that's problematic? Well, I would say that it's the kind of fear that believes the lie that if I miss out on something, then I don't matter. If I miss out on getting into the school of my choice, if I get rejected, if I don't fit in, if I, if I actually can't get that date, if the people that I want to be my friends never invite me to hang out, if I can't get the internship, if I'm not at the best parties, if I don't go to the right places and get the right pictures on my Instagram, well then, I don't matter. I don't matter. And if we believe this lie, well, it's going to have an effect on our lives. When we're motivated by this kind of fear of missing out, it's gonna crush us. Our fear, it's driving us towards something. And if our fear is telling us that if we don't live up to whatever standard we've set for ourselves, whatever thing we're trying to fix to get, if we don't get that and we fail, well then, then we've missed out on meaningful existence. And that's devastating. This fear of meaninglessness, it's gonna crush us. During my freshman year of college here at Mizzou, Sunday afternoons were my absolute worst part of the week. I remember one Sunday in particular where I had come to church, I came home, I went to a dining hall on campus and I got lunch and by the time that I was back in my room, it was only 1 p.m. I started to think about, okay, what do I have to do? What should I get done? What, do I, what plans do I have today? And I realized that I actually didn't have anything to do or anywhere to be until 10.30 a.m. the next morning. And right now, that kind of time is like really good. I can read a book, I can watch a whole series on Netflix, I can get some work done, probably Netflix though. But on a Sunday afternoon in my college dorm room, this amount of time, it started to feel really, really daunting. And the longer that I sat there trying to occupy my mind, it started to feel a little bit less daunting and just more and more lonely. I started waiting around for my sweetmates to come home, and by 5 p.m., I was just really thinking some pretty negative thoughts. I was wondering, well, where were my friends, and what were they doing, and 
why had they not invited me to do whatever they're doing? My sweet mates weren't in my room, so they had something to do. Why didn't they invite me? Why didn't I also have a person to be with? I thought that I was missing out on, on what my college experience should be like. I thought I should be surrounded by friends all the time, super involved, having the time of my life. And I was missing it, sitting alone in my dorm room. And in that moment, I really felt like I didn't matter. And that feeling, it was so crushing. And it's because that feeling can be so devastating that we work at all costs to avoid it. One way we do this is by striving. We think that we, we strive and we think that we can get these things that will fix this feeling, that will fix this devastation. After a few Sundays like that one, I started trying to join as many organizations, as many clubs as I possibly could so that I would never be sitting there on a Sunday afternoon feeling that devastating feeling. Other times, we spend our days trying to fit in with a certain crowd or attract a certain person because we can't miss out on having that college dating experience. Maybe we start to build our resume. We're trying to get chosen for the best organizations, to get into the best internships. Because if we, if we fail, well, then, then we won't matter. We get stuck in this cycle of striving to be something that's good enough. We're going mad pushing ourselves, working to fit in, to be perfect, to measure up so that this devastating feeling, well, so that it isn't true for me and my life. But guys, eventually our striving, it's gonna bring us to a place where we have to make decisions. And if our fear of missing out on something is strong enough, well then we're gonna probably begin to morally compromise. Think about it. If I never want to get to a place where I feel like I don't matter, then what do I do? Well, when I get to that party and someone hands me a beer, I'm going to take it because if I stand out, if I don't get invited back, if I don't get the full college party experience, well then I might, I might be seen as weird. When everyone around me in school is passing their classes, getting really good grades because they're taking Adderall to study longer and harder, well, I'm gonna probably try to find a way to take Adderall too because I can't miss out on being the best in my class. When I look around and I see that everyone's resumes are full of so many different organizations and honors, well, I'm gonna try to also join those clubs, get in those organizations, get those honors, even if it comes at the expense of serving, being a part of a ministry, going to church on Sundays, because, because if I can't get into that organization, if I get rejected, well then maybe I won't matter. If our fear is founded in the lie that to miss out on something, to not belong, to not succeed, is to lose meaning, then we're gonna fall deeper and deeper into the cycle of striving to the point where we've blended in entirely with the culture around us. And if you were here last week, Kermit actually talked about this. He talked about how harmful it is to conform to the culture around us. He told us that it deforms us. It makes us less than we were made to be. And here's the thing, guys. You know that you can't be perfect at fitting in. You know that at some point, you'll still stand out. You'll try really, really hard to present yourself in a certain way, and it's, it's not gonna be enough. Eventually, you'll probably miss out. Whether it's intentional or not, you will be forgotten at some point. You're striving, it won't be enough. So what was it all for? Do we ever really get what we want? 
do we ever actually escape from this fear of missing out? Well, in an interview following the release of one of his hit movies, Brad Pitt says this, I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us, but if that's the case, why is the general feeling out there reflecting more impotence and isolation and desperation and loneliness? I'm the guy who's got everything, I know. But I'm telling you, once you've got everything, then you're just left with yourself. If you ask me, I say toss all this. We gotta find something else. Look at what he's saying here, guys, because it's so profoundly important. He sees that striving for whatever we think will fix this fear and failing is leaving America, and, and I would venture to say our college campuses, in isolation, desperation, and loneliness. But look at what else he says. He's got it. Brad Pitt has the fame. He has the success. He has the friends. Honestly, Brad Pitt, he is the in crowd. And what? He wants us to know that at the end of it all, at the end of the fear, well, you're actually still just left with yourself. So will it ever be enough? Do we ever escape from the fear? Well, I think that Brad Pitt, I think that he's saying no. We think that the only way to conquer this fear of missing out is to attain what he has gotten. But he's done what we all want to do, and he's still just left with himself, looking for a different way to find meaning. And right now, guys, you might be doing okay. I know there's some of you in here who, you're actually a part of the in crowd. You got it, you're, you feel like you're doing pretty okay right now. But at some point, you'll probably lose it, or you'll come to realize, like Brad Pitt did, that it's not actually fulfilling you. And then you're just gonna be working harder and harder to not lose something that you know isn't actually fulfilling you. Eventually, we're gonna realize that what we wanted doesn't actually fix the fear because it can't fix the fear. The good news is that we actually can conquer our fear of missing out, but it won't happen by striving to be a part of the in crowd. It's gonna happen by realizing that we're actually believing a lie, and it's driving us into the wrong story. If this cultural narrative will ultimately let us down, then we have to find a different story. But this story, it can't just be a subset of the culture or the story that you're already looking at. That means like, if you're trying to get into the popular crowd, you can't just think, oh, that's not working out. I'm gonna try to be a part of the academic crowd or the hipster crowd or whatever else. You can't just set your sights on a new goal. At the end of the day, you're still just striving to be a part of something. You didn't actually find a new story. You just picked a new theme. And it's a theme that's not gonna get you any further away from the feeling that, that we don't matter. We can only conquer the fear of missing out by recognizing that we're already invited into a far greater story. And that story, it's God's story. <laughs> and it's the true story. And tonight, I wanna highlight two things that are crucial if we want to conquer this fear of missing out. And those two things are that God's story, it gives us a sense of belonging and it gives us a mission. So first, we're gonna look at how God's story gives us a sense of belonging. In Galatians 4, four through seven, Paul writes, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. 
And if a son, then an heir through God. Do you guys hear it? We've already been invited into a community. This passage tells us that we're adopted. And when a child is adopted, they're chosen to be a part of a family, given safety, security, and belonging. Where the child previously had nothing, they're now being invited freely into a family, not because they did anything to deserve it. In the same way, guys, we have been adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. Jesus lived a life here on earth, and he died on the cross to give you belonging. And it's not a superficial belonging that you have to strive to fit in in order to gain, but it's a belonging that's given freely to you as you are. That means that that you actually, you already matter. You already belong to something. You're not just someone that God is begrudgingly allowing into the in crowd because you did something good. In fact, you actually didn't do anything to deserve it. You've been adopted. God made a place for you in his family and being a part of his family, it doesn't come with a list full of standards. It comes with one. And that's to have faith in Jesus Christ as your savior. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound freeing? I don't have to fear missing out. I don't have to be afraid that when I miss out, I don't matter because in Christ, I've been called a son or a daughter. Now God isn't just telling me that I matter, but that I have meaning as a part of the family of God. In other words, being a part of the family of God cannot just stop with my belonging. Let's look at the end of those verses. When we accept this invitation, we are made sons. And if a son, then an heir through God. This means that as heirs, we've actually been given an inheritance. And this inheritance isn't just that we get to go to heaven someday. It isn't just that we get to feel comfortable and safe here on earth because we know that we're good. Our inheritance, it's so much more than that. It comes with a present calling and a purpose. We're called to be a part of God's mission. But what does it mean? What does it mean to be given a mission? Well, a book that our staff team has been reading together actually puts this really well. So let's listen closely to what the author is saying. God's chosen people do not exist for themselves. Rather, they exist for the sake of God's glory and his mission. And for the sake of others towards whom God's mission is directed. God's people are a so that people. They are chosen so that they might know God's salvation and then invite all nations into it. This goes all the way back to when God chose the Israelites to be his people. Genesis 12, 2 says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. He chose them not because they were a powerful nation, not because they were great. The Israelites were actually a really, really weak and really vulnerable people. But he chose them so that he could exalt them, making them great through using them to bless the nations around them. So what's our mission? Well, our mission, it's the same as the Israelites. The Lord tells us that we've been given belonging. We're called to be a part of his family so that we can then go out and bless others, calling them into that same family. We can't just get this belonging and be happy that we don't have to feel left out anymore. We can't get comfortable knowing that, well, I'm safe, I matter. 
We have been given a place in God's people so that we can go out and tell the others around us that they too can be freed. They too are invited into this greater story. This, this is our mission. After the Apollo 11 mission, where Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins landed on the moon, Michael Collins had a really remarkable quote. All this is possible only through the blood, sweat, and tears of thousands of people. All you see are the three of us, but underneath the surface are thousands and thousands of others. It's actually estimated that it took around 400,000 people to fulfill this mission of getting to the moon. There were mathematicians, spacesuit seamstresses, radio telescope operators, parachute designers, engineers, contractors, metallurgists, computer programmers, television technicians. I don't know what all that is, and there's a huge list. There's so many more people that were a part of this mission. And we know the names of those first three guys. But what about these other people? The seamstresses, the mathematicians. We don't actually know who they are. But they were a part of this bigger mission to put people on the moon. Without them, Michael Collins knows that he couldn't have gotten to the moon. We all know how finicky spaceflight can be. Oftentimes, it's usually really, really small things that go wrong that have hugely devastating effects. We know that the math matters. We know that the integrity of the spacesuits mattered when those men were walking on the moon. Those people doing those seemingly small things, well, they were integral to the mission of getting a man to the moon. They knew that they mattered because they were a part of a greater story. And we too have a mission and it's so much bigger and better than going to the moon. We're talking about a story where everyone has meaningful place and purpose forever. Right here on this earth, living together with Jesus. This is where our true meaning lies, even if we don't recognize it, even if the culture around us doesn't recognize it. We matter because we're part of a greater story. Can you guys get behind this greater story, even if it means never being a part of the cultural in-crowd? Can you see the mission that you're being called to live faithfully in, even if you never get the recognition from people around you? Is belonging in God's family and his missional calling, is that enough for you? Well, we at Veritas, we think that it is. We think that God is telling this incredible story and that he's calling all of us to be a part of it. And as the music team comes back up, I wanna challenge you guys with an idea. We're all looking for meaning. We see that so clearly. We see ourselves and our friends being driven deeper and deeper into striving because we're so afraid that if we miss out, well then we won't matter. But we have been given an invitation to join into a story that gives meaning and true inheritance to every single individual that accepts that invitation. So what would happen if we were a people who were more afraid of missing out on God's story than on our own? What if we were more concerned that we didn't miss out on what God wanted to do in and through our lives than we were of missing out on all the experience and all the success that we thought this culture could offer us? FOMO, it it doesn't actually have to be a bad thing. Instead of allowing our fear of missing out to drive us towards a cycle of striving for meaning apart from God, wouldn't it be awesome if our fear of missing out was tied to this invitation into God's story? So let's be a people driven not into the meaningless cycle of striving, but deeper into God's story, 
a story that gives us meaning and purpose, pushing us to love others, to live faithfully, and to invite more and more people into his mission and his family. Amen.